0: This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we gotta go down to the religious supply store. We gotta get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here... It's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. I've got a question for you. Do you know what a Shinigami is? Neither did I. Until I was persuaded to watch the anime Death Note. Shinigami are the death gods of Japanese folklore. My interest peaked while watching Death Note, and I decided to put together a fun little Japanese folklore episode for everyone and recently I've been working on watching a few anime series and decoding the messages within them. Anime does a great job revealing a little bit of truth in a creative and mystical way. I'm currently watching Attack on Titan, which was a listener request, and man, are there some clues about the giants and the bloodlines in there. But I'm not ready to reveal my findings on that one just yet. The anime I will be spending some time on today is Death Note. There are a lot of inverted characters and ideals in this anime. The symbolism of the red apple, much like in The Witcher, is very prominent in Death Note. Harkening back to the idea of the knowledge of good and evil, the first sin, and the corruption of innocence. Today, we will be talking about all that and much, much more. The full version of this episode can be enjoyed on Patreon, and you can sign up by clicking the link in the show notes. And just a disclaimer, I am not responsible for any ramen cravings that occur as a result of this episode. And something I forgot to mention while recording is that the Netflix live-action interpretation of Death Note came out in August, y'all! Boom! We got that eight one more time. But this is just a fun little episode, something for you to chew on, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's jump right into the episode. Are you doing I have a fantastic episode lined up for you tonight I have a new microphone I don't know if you could tell from the last couple episodes but it's pretty great and I I like it sometimes it's a little too good my old microphone didn't pick up as many breaths or throat sounds. (laughs) So I'm trying to get used to speaking more quietly and more precisely so that I say it and don't spray it. You know what I'm saying? So what we've gathered for tonight is an episode on something called the Shinigami. And the Shinigami are the death gods of Japanese folklore. Interesting topic and the reason I decided to cover this is because when I met my husband I was a little taken back by his obsession with anime. I was never an anime type of gal. I watched Sailor Moon a little bit uh when I was little, but it wasn't to the point like he is where he dives into even the manga and reads it and he has a lot of his favorites which are i think he likes one piece and he likes demon hunter or something like that and um yeah he he got me into a couple of them though and he knew he had to play to his strengths in getting me to watch anime with him so he would find ones that were more mystical or devilish you know oh they're they they kill vampires and they fight demons and da 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 and I said well I maybe can get on board <laughs> to watch something like that so the first one that I watched with him was Yu Yu Hakusho which is still out of all the ones that I have watched with him my all-time favorite Yu Yu Hakusho is essentially an older anime where they fight demons, but the demons have these crazy Nephilim-like abilities. And another one that I watched with him is an anime called Death Note. And then I realized as I was scrolling through Netflix one day that they did a live-action Death Note. And it's extremely creepy And this is the first time I was introduced to these things called the Shinigami. And after diving into some research on who the Shinigami are and what their function is, I had to cover it because we see archetypes in a lot of cartoons, especially Disney, where they're trying to convey this message of the fallen ones, demigods, the titans, And these pantheon gods. And this story with the Shinigami is very similar to a lot of those archetypal stories. But let's start with the basics. The Shinigami influence can be seen throughout Japanese culture. From traditional art to popular anime and manga. Just like I said with Death Note. But here's how they're described. The Shinigami are Kami spirits that invite humans towards death in certain aspects of Japanese religion and culture. Shinigami have been described as monsters, helpers, and creatures of darkness. And Shinigami are used for tales in Japanese culture, but in terms of appearance, no one is quite sure what a Shinigami looks like. They say that the Shinigami can hide in plain sight or be invisible until you are close to death. Otherwise, these beings never take on the same shape. But some have said that they wear black kimonos and have long white hair like a witcher. But that is about as specific as the descriptions get. Some artwork will show that they have a small childlike appearance. While others make them look like skeletal older women. Shape-shifting abilities. And similarly... We see in Buddhism that there is a figure called the Mara that are concerned with death. And this Murtumara is a demon that makes humans want to die. Straight up. And it is said that upon being possessed by the Murtumara, in a shock, one would suddenly want to die by suicide. And is sometimes explained to be a Shinigami. Also in Buddhism, this demon decided the time of people's death. And in Buddhism, you have Yama, who is the king of the underworld, as well as Oni. And they are the ox head and horse face spirits, also considered to be a type of shinigami. But again, we also see in Shinto and Japanese mythology, we have some parent gods going on here that are thought to bring humans death and are also sometimes seen as Shinigami. So, in Shinto and Japanese mythology, Izanami is one of these parent gods who brought humans death and Izanami actually means she who invites. Or the woman who invites. And is one of these parent gods or creator deities of both creation and death in Japanese mythology. As well as the Shinto mother goddess. Now I'm going to tell you this story and you let me know what this sounds like. We're thinking archetypes here. In Japanese mythology, Izanami... And her brother slash husband, Izanagi, are the last of the seven generations of primordial deities that manifested after the formation of heaven and earth. So, what does that sound like? Brother slash husband. Sounds a lot like Akhenaten and his sisterslash wife, Mary Totten. The bloodline incestuous thing rears its ugly head again. And Izanami and Izanagi are held to be the creators of the Japanese archipelago, a group of islands, pretty much. And they're also considered to be the progenitors of many deities parent gods. But these deities include the sun goddess Amaterasu, the moon deity Sukuyomi, and the storm god Susanu. And we've heard one of those names before. Amaterasu. Ryan Dean from the Dangerous World podcast actually spoke to us a little bit about Amaterasu in the Mirrors episode. And we're going to dive a little further into that today. So, Amaritasu and her siblings, much like the story of the Titans, are the first children of the gods after the creation of Earth. Again, offspring of the creator god Izanagi and Izanami. But now let's dive into Amaritasu a little bit. Amaritasu is thought to derive from the verb Amaritu, which means to illuminate. More interestingly, though, the translation of the full name, which is something along the lines of Amaritasu Almakami, you guys are gonna freak. The most literal translation is the great August goddess who Augustly shines in heaven. What do I keep telling you guys about the eight? The mirrors, all of this stuff, it's connected. These are archetypal stories. They come from some truth. We spoke about Amaritasu in a previous episode because she had this sacred mirror, remember? Now we see that the most literal translation of her name is the great August goddess who augustly shines in heaven. So we have the eight and the mirror connection and the incest connection and the progenitor gods and The offspring of the progenitor gods. Let's go a little further into the story, though, and we're going to bring the Shinigami back in in just a second. So, the main narrative is that Izanagi and Izanami, the parent gods, procreated after creating these islands in Japan. And so after they got done creating the landscape, Izanagi and Izanami consulted together saying, we have now produced the great eight island country with the mountains, rivers, herbs, and trees. Why should we not produce someone who shall be lord of the universe? Thought a little highly of themselves, but okay. Okay. They then together produced the sun goddess who was called Amaterasu, And she possessed a sacred mirror called Yata no Kagami. Named after its dimensions. Eight by eight. Whoa! Think about that. Now, Amaterasu is supposed to be lord of the universe now. And the sun goddess. And she possessed a sacred mirror. Named after the mirror's dimensions. Eight by eight. And the most literal translation of her name again. Is the great August goddess. Who augustly shines in heaven. But it doesn't stop there. We've got more eights that pop up here. So the i i think it's pronounced i the i grand shrine in i prefecture in japan houses this inner shrine that's pretty much dedicated to amaterasu among other sacred deities but it's said that her sacred mirror yata no kagami is said to be kept at this shrine as one of the imperial regalia objects and a ceremony is held every 20 years at this shrine to honor Amaterasu and the other many deities enshrined there and if you count all of the shrines put them all together there is 125 shrines And if you add 1 plus 2 plus 5, you get 8 yet again. So even this shrine containing the Imperial Regalia object, which is Amoritasu sacred mirror, we see another 8 connected there. But think about that, if they really do have this mirror enshrined at this place... Like I said, there's a little bit of truth in every fantasy type of story. But wait, because there's more! Every time I get on this microphone, it's like the information just goes crazy. Things start coming out of the woodwork, popping up out of nowhere, and it all ties back in. Now, outside of being worshipped as a sun goddess... Some have actually argued that Amaritasu was related to snakes. Boom! Okay, there is a legend circulating among the I priests that essentially describe an encounter of Amaritasu getting jiggy with Seo, which I guess was this unmarried female member of the Japanese imperial family. But anyways... So Amaritasu, supposedly, every night would sneak in and sleep with this Japanese Imperial family member in the form of a snake or a lizard. Evidenced by finding fallen scales in the priestess bed. Yeah. Now. This was recorded by a medieval monk in his diary, which stated that quote, "In ancient times Aitasu was regarded as a snake deity or as a sun deity end quote. And it goes on later to say, the God's snake form is considered to be an embodiment of the three poisons, namely greed anger and ignorance now Amaritasu is also linked to a snake cult which is also tied to the theory that the initial gender of the goddess Amaritasu was actually male so she's ambiguous she's a they them come on people it all ties back into each other and hang on so if all these are just myths and legends why is it that they speak about this all right everyone the rest of this episode can be enjoyed on the cosmic peach patreon along with other bonus content now what you're gonna get over on patreon is taking your cosmic peach experience to a whole new level the subscription is called room 237 and it is seven bucks and 11 cents a month that's right 7 11 y'all now this subscription is an all-inclusive resort if you will there's no levels to this shit if you subscribe you get it all bonus content extended versions of documentaries and full versions of episodes ad-free content julia rants 10 percent off code for cosmic merch holiday specials messaging and conversations with yours truly horror movie breakdowns and commentary and whatever else i'm in the mood for Posts, videos, maybe a playlist of cool songs to check out, cool movies and TV shows. It's just a little bit more personal. So there is only so much I can say on YouTube and Instagram or even on here without getting shadow banned or content getting straight up removed, stalkers. So in order to continue bringing you the Cosmic Fire, I would like to provide the option of an exclusive and more in-depth coverage of my research. I am humbled and grateful to be a part of your journey towards finding truth. Patreon just allows me to connect with you on a more personal level. So go on over to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes if you would like to subscribe. And thank you so much. I hope to see you over there.